Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. Also at that website, there's a tab entitled Lesson Sign Up, where you can sign up to receive a daily email that includes both the lesson for the day as well as the reading for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 uh, to sometimes all the way to 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we're reading in Chapter 19, Beyond the Body, Section 5, Uh, the second half of Part A, Part A being the first obstacle, the desire to get rid of it, the second half of that section is called the attraction of guilt. And we're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 216, which is a review of Lesson 196. And like all the ideas in this review, it is surrounded by the idea I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. Reviewing today the lesson, it can be but myself, I crucify. It can be but myself, I crucify. And so, uh, with that, oh gee whiz, I'd just love to share this opening from the book, The Gifts of God by Helen Schuckman. It's a poem called Safety just so apropos of our reading today. Safety. The wish to harm alone engenders fear. Without it is protection obvious and shelter offered everywhere. There is no time when safety need be sought, no place where it is absent, and no circumstance which can endanger it in any way. It is secured by every loving thought, made more apparent by each loving glance, brought nearer by forgiving words, and kept untroubled, cloudless, open to the light, redeemed, restored, and holy in Christ's sight. It can be but myself I crucify. Amen. Well, thank you, Lori. Was good. Thank you. Isn't that a pretty per- perfect poem for the day? Um, totally. Yeah. I just, just loved it. So, thanks, guys. I always love your poems. You're great. Thank you. <laughs> well, they're they're not mine, but I'm really happy to find them. Thank you, friend. Okay, so here's our reading list, my friends, so far. We have Lemoyne, Fran, Robin Marie, Jessica, Diana, and we're joined in listening this morning by Harrison and Ida. And I wonder if anyone else has joined us would like to say good morning or be on the reading list. Not so far. Okay. <clears throat> One moment, let me get a sip here. 
I'll get us started then. In chapter 19, Beyond the Body, section 5, The Obstacles to Peace. Today we're reading The Attraction of Guilt, beginning with paragraph 49. The attraction of guilt produces fear of love, for love would never look on guilt at all. It is the nature of love to look upon only the truth, for there it sees itself, with which it would unite in holy union and completion. As love must look past fear, so must fear see love not. For love contains the end of guilt, as surely as fear depends on it. Love is attracted only to love. Overlooking guilt completely, it sees no fear. Being wholly without attack, it could not be afraid. Fear is attracted to what love sees not, and each believes that what the other looks on does not exist. Fear looks on guilt with just the same devotion that love looks on itself, and each has messengers which they send forth and which return to them with messages written in the language in which their going forth was asked. Halamoyim. Okay. Back here. Uh, chapter 19, Beyond the Body. Section 5, Obstacles to Peace. First obstacle, the desire to get rid of it. Section, the attraction of guilt. The attraction of guilt produces fear of love, for love would never look on guilt at all. It is the nature of love to look upon only the truth, for there it sees itself, with which it would unite in holy union and completion. As love must look past fear, so must fear be love not. For love contains the end of guilt, as surely as fear depends on it. Love is attracted only to love. Overlooking guilt completely, it sees no fear. Being wholly without attack, it could not be afraid. Fear is attracted to what love sees not, and each believes the other, each believes that what the, let me just start that sentence again. (laughs) Fear is attracted to what love sees not, and each believes that what the other looks upon does not exist. Fear looks on guilt with just the same devotion that love looks on itself, and each has messengers which they send forth and which return to them with messages written in the language in which their going forth was asked. Love's messengers are gently sent and return with messages of love and gentleness. The messengers of fear are harshly ordered to seek out guilt and cherish every scrap of evil and of sin which they can find 
losing none of them on pain of death, and laying them respectfully before their Lord and Master. Perception cannot obey two masters, each asking for messages of different things in different languages. What fear would beat upon, love overlooks. What fear demands, love cannot even see. Thank you, LeMoyne and Fran. 50. Love's messengers are gently sent and return with messages of love and gentleness. The messengers of fear are harshly ordered to seek out guilt and cherish every scrap of evil and of sin which they can find, losing none of them on pain of death and laying them respectfully before their Lord and Master. Perception cannot obey two masters, each asking for messages of different things in different languages. What fear would feed upon, love overlooks. What fear demands, love cannot even see. 51. The fierce attraction which guilt holds for fear is wholly absent from love's general perception. What love would look upon is meaningless to fear and quite invisible. Relationships in this world are the result of how the world is seen. And this depends on which emotion was called on to send its messengers to look upon it and return with word of what they saw. Fear's messengers are trained through terror, and they tremble when their master calls upon them to serve him. For fear is merciless even to its friends. Its messengers steal guiltily away in hungry search of guilt, for they are kept cold and starving and made very vicious by their master, who allows them to feast only upon what they return to him. No little shred of guilt escapes their hungry eyes, and in their savage search for sin, they pounce on any living thing they see and carry it screaming to their master to be devoured. Thank you, friends. And Robin Marie, I think we have one unmuted line. Okay, here we go. Robin Marie. <coughs> Excuse me. Fifty-one. The fierce attraction which guilt holds for fear is wholly absent from love's gentle perception. What love would look upon is meaningless to fear and quite invisible. Relationships in this world are the result of how the world is seen. And this depends on which emotion was called on to send its messengers to look upon it and return with word of what they saw. Fear's messengers are trained through terror and they tremble when their master calls upon them to serve him. For fear is merciless even to its friends. Its messengers steal guiltily away in hungry search of guilt, for they are kept cold and starving and made very vicious by their master, who allows them to feast only upon what they return to him. No little shred of guilt escapes their hungry eyes. And in their savage search for, search for sin, 
they pounce on any living thing they see and carry it screaming into the world to feast upon it. To, oh, sorry. Any living thing that, and in their savage search for sin, they pounce on any living thing they see and carrying it screaming to their master to be devoured. 52. Send not these savage messengers into the world to feast upon it and to prey upon reality. For they will bring you word of bones and skin and flesh. They have been taught to seek for the corruptible and to return with gorges filled with things decayed and rotted. To them such things are beautiful because they seem to allay their savage pangs of hunger. For they are frantic with the pain of fear and would avert the punishment of him who sent them forth by offering him what they hold dear. Thank you, Robert Marie. And Jessica. 52. Send not these strange, I mean, these savage messengers into the world to feast upon it and to prey upon reality. For they will bring you word of bones and skin and flesh. They have been taught to seek for the corruptible and to return with gorges filled with things decayed and rotted. To them, such things are beautiful because they seem to allay their savage pangs of hunger. For they are frantic with the pain of fear and would avert the punishment of him who sends them forth by offering him what they hold dear. 53. The Holy Spirit has given you love messengers to send instead of those you train through fear. They are as eager to return to you what they hold dear as are the others. If you send them forth, they will see only the blameless and the beautiful, the gentle and the kind. They will be as careful to let no little act of charity, no tiny expression of forgiveness, no little breath of love escape their notice. And they will return with all the happy things they found to share them lovingly with you. Be not afraid of them. They offer you salvation. Theirs are the messages of safety, for they see the world as kind. Thank you, Jessica. And Diana. Hi, good morning. Number 53. The Holy Spirit has given you love's messages, messengers, to send instead of those you train through fear. They are as eager to return to you what they hold dear as are the others. If you send them forth, they will see only the blameless and the beautiful, the gentle and the kind. They will be as careful to let no little act of charity no tiny expression of forgiveness, no harsh brief of love escape their notice. And they will return with all the happy things they found 
to share them lovingly with you. Be not afraid of them. They offer you salvation. Theirs are the methods of safety, and they see the world as kind. 54. If you send forth only the messengers the Holy Spirit gives you, wanting no messenger messages but theirs, you will see no fear. Uh, you will see fear no more. The world will be transformed before your sight, cleansed of all guilt and softly brushed with beauty. The world contains no fear which you laid not upon it. And none you cannot ask love's messengers to remove from it and see it still. The Holy Spirit has given you the messengers to send to you others and return each with what love sees. They have been given to replace the hungry dogs of fear you sent instead, and they go forth to signify the end of fear. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. Uh, would we have a new reader for 54 and 55? Good morning, Maria. I could do it. Thank you, Karen. If you send forth only the messengers the Holy Spirit gives you, wanting no messages but theirs, you will see fear no more. The world will be transformed before your sight, cleansed of all guilt and softly brushed with beauty. The world contains no fear which you laid not upon it, and none you cannot ask love's messengers to remove from it and see it still. The Holy Spirit has given you his messengers to send to each other and return to each with what love sees. They have been given to replace the hungry dogs of fear you sent instead, and they go forth to signify the end of fear. 55. Love, too, would set a feast before you on a table covered with a spotless cloth set in a quiet garden where no sound but singing and a softly joyous whispering is ever heard. This is a feast which honors your holy relationship and at which everyone is welcomed as an honored guest. And in a holy instant, grace is said by everyone together as they join in gentleness before the table of communion. And I will join you there as long ago I promised and promise still. For in your new relationship am I made welcome. And where I am made welcome, there I am. Thank you, Karen. And would there be another new reader for 55 and 56? Good morning, Lori. I'm all in. <laughs> Thanks, Judy. 55. Beyond the body and the attraction of guilt, 
love too would set a feast before you on a table covered with a spotless cloth. Set it in a quiet garden where no sound but singing and a softly joyous whispering is ever heard. This is a feast which honors your holy relationship and at which everyone is welcomed as an honored guest. And in a holy instant, grace is said by everyone together as they join in gentleness before the table of communion. And I will join you there as long ago I promised and promise still. For in your new holy relationship am I made welcome. And where I am made welcome, there I am. I am made welcome in the state of grace, which means you have at last forgiven me, for I became the symbol of your sin, and so I had to die instead of you. To the ego, sin means death, and so atonement is achieved through murder. Salvation is looked upon as a way which the Son of God was killed instead of you. Thank you, Judy. And is there another new reader for 56 and 57? This is Sandra. I can read. Thanks, Sandra. 56. I am made welcome in the state of grace, which means you have at last forgiven me. I'm going to read that again. I am made welcome in the state of grace, which means you have at last forgiven me, for I became the symbol of your sin, and so I had to die instead of you. To the ego, sin means death, and so atonement is achieved through murder. Salvation is looked upon as a way by which the Son of God was killed instead of you. 57. Yet would I offer you my body, you whom I love, knowing its so little, knowing its littleness? Or would I teach that bodies cannot keep us apart? Mine was no greater was no greater value than yours, no better means for communication of salvation, but not its source. No one can die for anyone, and death does not atone for sin. Yet you can live to show it is not real. The body does appear to be the symbol of sin, while you believe that it can get you what you want. While you believe that it can give you pleasure, you will also believe that it can bring you pain. Thank you, Sandra. And is there one more reader for 57 and 58? 57 and 58? All right, back to you, Lemoyne. Yet would I offer you my body, 
you whom I love, knowing its littleness? Or would I teach that bodies cannot keep us apart? Mine was no greater value than yours, no better means for communication of salvation, but not its source. No one can die for anyone, and death does not atone for sin. Yet you can live to show that it is not real. The body does appear to be the symbol of sin while you believe that it can get you what you want. While you believe that it can give you pleasure, you will also believe that it can bring you pain. To think you could be satisfied and happy with so little is to hurt yourself and to limit the happiness that you would have calls upon pain to fill your meager store and makes your lives complete. This is completion as the ego sees it, for guilt creeps in where happiness has been removed and substitutes for it. Communion is another kind of completion which goes beyond guilt because it goes beyond the body. Thank you, Lamar. Friend. 58. To think you could be satisfied and happy with so little is to hurt yourself and to limit the happiness that you would have calls upon pain to fill your meager store and make your lives complete. This is completion, as the ego sees it, for guilt creeps in where happiness has been removed and substitutes for it. Communion is another kind of completion which goes beyond guilt because it goes beyond the body. Thank you, Fran, and thank you everyone who read this morning from this beautiful, beautiful section. Um, looking to see... Nine. Um, maybe I'll just highlight some of the um, things that pull it together for me, starting with paragraph 49. It is the nature of love to look upon the, only the truth, for there it sees itself with which it would unite in holy union and completion. Love contains the end of guilt, as surely as fear depends on it. Love is attracted only to love. Fear is attracted to what love sees not. Each love and fear has messengers which they send forth and which return to them with messages written in the language in which they're going forth was asked. Love's messengers are gently sent to return with messages of love and gentleness. Perception cannot obey two masters, each asking for messages of different things in different languages. What fear would feed upon, love overlooks. 
what fear demands, love cannot even see. Paragraph 51, relationships in this world are the result of how the world is seen. And this depends on which emotion was called on to send its messengers to look upon it in return of word. Return with word of what they saw. 53. The Holy Spirit has given you love's messengers to send instead of those you trained through fear. And if you send them forth, they will see only the blameless and the beautiful, the gentle and the kind. And they will return with all the happy things they have found to share them lovingly with you. Be not afraid of them. They offer you salvation. Theirs are the messengers of safety for they see the world as kind. 54. Send forth only the messengers the Holy Spirit gives you. Wanting no messenger messages but theirs and you will see fear no more. The world will be transformed before your sight, cleansed of all guilt and softly brushed with beauty. The world contains no fear which you laid not upon it. And none you cannot ask love's messengers to remove from it and see it still. The Holy Spirit has given you his messengers to send to each other and return to each with what love sees. They have been given to replace the hungry dogs of fear you sent instead, and they go forth to signify the end of fear. And I think that's um, just a pretty good place to begin with our discussion this morning. Um, so in the remaining moments or minutes before the top of the hour, I think it would be wonderful if each one of us would pick a favorite paragraph and just read it, if you like. Um, and maybe we'll talk, start from the bottom of the list. And uh, if you just have one paragraph you like more than others, and if the same paragraph is read several times, that's just fine. How about that? Does that sound like something that would help us settle this? Yes. Yes, Lori. Okay. Great. Thank you for the beautiful. Be good. All right. Beautiful. Let's do that then. Okay, so at the end of the list, after Diana, the readers were Karen, Sandra, and Judy. So, am I right on that? I think so. So, um, Judy, we'll go from the bottom of the list. Judy, do you have a paragraph, favorite paragraph you'd like to read? Well, I, my eyes just lit on one. I haven't time to... to um can I do two two short ones? Love's messengers, <laughs> love's messengers are gently sent and return with messages of love and gentleness. Um, that's from from paragraph fifty. And then this one that my eyes just lit upon, fifty four. If you send forth only love's messengers, the Holy Spirit gives gives you. Wanting no messages theirs, you will see fear no more. 
I just love that. Want only love. Send only love. That's what you'll get. <laughs> Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Judy. And Sandra. Okay, <clears throat> 53. The Holy Spirit has given you love messengers to send instead of those you trained through fear. They are as eager to return to you what they hold dear as are the others. If you send them forth, they will see only the blameless and the beautiful, the gentle and the kind. They will be as careful to let no little act of charity, no tiny expression of forgiveness, no little breath of love escape their notice. And they will return with all the happy things they found to share them lovingly with you. Be not afraid of them. They offer you salvation. Theirs are the messengers of safety, for they see the world as kind. Thank you, Sandra. And Karen. 56. I am made welcome in the state of grace, which means you have at last forgiven me. Because I, for I became the symbol of your sin, and so I had to die instead of you. To the ego, sin means death, and so atonement is achieved through murder. Salvation is looked upon as a way by which the Son of God was killed instead of you. I am made welcome in a state of grace. Thank you, Karen. And Diana. Yeah, hi. Um, I have to say every single um, thing we read today was a wonderful, refreshing um, uh, reminder of how easy it is to follow the recipe of love and notice whenever a discomfort comes to let it go and and choose the master you want to follow. I know they talked about masters here somewhere. Um, I think a lot of us um, wake up and we go about our day and we forget to plug in and old and life takes over. And a lot of it, we forget that it affects our serotonin and our dopamine. And if you're not choosing the right master, it could lead to sadness and it, it affects our overall health. And when we notice and we're not afraid, and we can stop that flow by just choosing again and breathing in love. Everything can change. The light goes on. The day changes right before our eyes. But we've got to notice and make that change. And we can. And any second, we can change that day and return to love. Uh, the whole chapter was wonderful to hear. I'm complete. Thank you. 
Thank you, Diana. And Jessica, do you have a favorite paragraph? Um, I can't read a paragraph right now. I have a little tiny baby in my arms. His mommy is taking a nap. So, um, but um, he agrees with Jesus. <laughs> Indeed. Coming straight from there. Thank you, Jessica. Yeah. And Robin Marie, do you have a paragraph you'd like to share? <clears throat> 54. If you send forth only the messengers the Holy Spirit gives you, wanting no messages but theirs, you will see fear no more. The world will be transformed before your sight, cleansed of all guilt and softly brushed with beauty. The world contains no fear which you laid not upon it, and none you cannot ask love's messengers to remove from it and see it still. The Holy Spirit has given you his messengers to send to each other and return to each with what love sees. They have been given to replace the hungry dogs of fear you sent instead, and they go forth to signify the end of fear. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Fran, is there a special touching paragraph for you this morning? Yeah, 58. To think you could be satisfied and happy with so little is to hurt yourself. And to limit the happiness that you would have calls upon pain to fill your meager store and make your lives complete. This is completion, as the ego sees it. For guilt creeps in where happiness has been removed and substitutes for it. Communion is another kind of completion which goes beyond guilt because it goes beyond the body. I'm complete. Thank you, Fran. And Lemoyne. Pick one, huh? <laughs> okay. Um, if you can. Let me see. <clears throat> okay, well, let's turn it down to 50. Great. All right. And uh, 55. Love, too, would set a feast before you on a table covered with a spotless cloth, set in a quiet garden where no sound but singing and a softly joyous whispering is ever heard. This is a feast which honors your holy relationship and at which everyone is welcomed as an honored guest. And in a holy instant, grace is said by everyone together as they join in gentleness before the table of communion. And I will join you there as long ago I promised and promise still 
For in your new relationship am I made welcome. And where I am made welcome, there I am. Oh, thank you, Lemoyne. And thank you, everyone, for um, sharing your hearts in this way. Um, so anyway, here we are at the top of the hour, a little past. And Fran, you have our gratitude uh, as you lead us one more time in this review today. So take it away. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Lori. Hi, everybody. We are still in the first part of the workbook on review six. And today our lesson is lesson 216, which is a review of lesson 196. It can be but myself I crucify. And I thought today, speaking of paragraphs, that I would read two paragraphs from the original lesson. And then we would move over to our five-minute practice on the lesson. It can be but myself I crucify. When this is firmly understood and kept in full awareness, you will not attempt to harm yourself nor make your body slave to vengeance. You will not attack yourself and you will realize that to attack another is but to attack yourself. You will be free of the insane belief that to attack a brother saves yourself and you will understand his safety is your own. And in his healing, you are healed. And then the last paragraph for this lesson. When the fear of God is gone, there are no obstacles that still remain between you and the holy peace of God. How kind and merciful is the idea we practice. Give it welcome, as you should, for it is your release. It is indeed but you, your mind, can try to crucify. Yet your redemption, too, will come from you. We'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 216. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. It can be but myself. I crucify. All that I do... I do unto myself. If I attack, I suffer. But if I forgive, salvation will be given me. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. We'll do our five minutes now.
Lesson 216. I am not a body. I am free. I am still as God created me. It can be but myself I crucify. All that I do, I do unto myself. If I attack, I suffer. But if I forgive, salvation will be given me. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. And the floor's open. morning. Thank you, Fran. That was beautiful, Cindy. Um, I had lots of reasons to be upset with people yesterday. <laughs> that was a good reason. And um, I had to stop and say, love is the way I walk in gratitude. And today I have people coming back to redo a ignition cylinder lock that they did for me because the keys aren't working quite right with the rest of the car at the door. And I made a mistake of letting the company that charged the most come out, even though I said, you're the ones that are charging 250 right? Well, the foreign guy on the other end of the line said yes, not understanding that I meant $250. And I ended up getting charged 350 for a job that wasn't done properly. And they're coming back today. And um, <laughs> the guy kind of got nasty with us when we weren't able to, we wanted to <clears throat> work it out as to why it was so much. And he ended up leaving and, and swearing at me. And uh, he demanded that I get my credit card out when my brother was trying to work it out with his PayPal. And I'm realizing that when I got angry with him and angry with my brother, who I thought maybe jumped through hoops, but I'm realizing it's a good learning experience. I did, I did not have a happy heart. And I was also down on myself. Because oftentimes when I do get mad at someone, I'm projecting as a defense mechanism because I'm so angry at myself. And if I don't forgive myself in that moment and I attack, whether I feel it's justified or not, someone made a mistake and they charged me and they blah, blah. If I attack that person, being that we're one, I'm not happy if I do that. And if I... If I'm not happy and I've moved my place from a place of love, there's nothing else but love and fear. I've just put myself up on a cross when I'm doing that because I'm in a place of fear. 
And obviously, I know what we all know what we're doing to our brother. Um, ego thinks it's making a correction and teaching. But our heart realizes that there's no mistake that can't be forgiven, corrected. Um, and even if there appears to be a loss in the outer world, I'm not a body. I'm a spirit as God created me. And oh well, <laughs> I lost $345 getting a new lock and key. But I'm not harmed. And I can be in a place of love if I choose to be aware. And that's what this course is teaching me, to be aware of what I'm doing. And I can choose again. So today when they come out, I am not going to rehash what went wrong. just going to say, this is what's going on, this is what I need, and can you do it? And be very happy that they're there and not be critical and look at the mistakes that were made because, as I said, if I'm looking at my brother's little speck in his eye, I'm very present to my beam, and if I'm upset with someone for doing wrong, I'm doing it to myself. And when I do it to myself, I do it to my brother and vice versa. So love is the way I walk in gratitude and I wasn't harmed and this is another opportunity to connect with a brother in a loving way and learn how to be more loving with myself when I make mistakes. Isn't it wonderful how that works? It's just so great. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you for making it real. I love the real example. Thank you, Mindy. Hi, this is Diana. And um, my, my daughter it took her two kids to Rome, and one of, the, one of my teenager granddaughters uh, went to Rome with an attitude, and she's having a miserable time, and it's affecting the family. So this was really a wonderful lesson for me to listen to today and, you know, gather some inspiration to text her or call her. I know it's, you know, what they they say in the book, it's, you know, it's either love or a call for love, and there's somewhere, something's going on with her that's creating a bit of pain. But um, I was talking to my other daughter yesterday, Michelle, and she was talking about being a light worker today and to be consciously aware of the, the light shining within yourself and, and putting that love out in everything you do. And she talked about um, that a lot of us have lampshades over our head. The light is still there, but it's hidden. And we have a choice to change that because we are all balls of light, resilient and bright and capable of bouncing back in any situation to become the person that we were designed to be. Welcome to my campfire. (laughs) We all come with a story. But it's the choices that we make that, that will um, follow us 
in our day and not follow us. I think we follow the choices we make. But we can also be influenced to change it the minute we, we notice, hey, wait a minute, this isn't how I want to feel. Happiness loves company. I'm going to step in that circle, you know, and, and be that regardless of what guest shows up at my door today. And, and even if it isn't how I would want it to be, the acceptance of love and light and being in the circle of how do I, how do I, you know, I'm just going to accept this moment and be of service to what love would show me and, and how I want to be. You know, I want to be as God created me because it always ends up feeling right and good and there's no guilt or remorse or, or having to make amends for that, you know. Um, this was a beautiful lesson. I loved it. Uh, I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's really good to hear from you today. Like it says, Jesus, welcome to my campfire. Sounds like the feast to me. Thank you. Uh, I like that too, Robin Marie. <laughs> Good morning, guys. It's Jude. I um, so love it um, being here on this call. And um, like Robin Marie said, let's make it real. Let's make ourselves real with the capital R. Let's be our true selves be as God created us um, to be spiritual beings of love, sending love and, and tenderness, tender-hearted, open-mindedness, without judgment, messages to the world. Um, will you be my neighbor? Will you be my friend? Will you be my helper? Um, the um, lesson today really um, sang to me in, in, in the I Am beautiful I am sense that um, in the same sense that I read from the paragraph that I read from the text, I am made welcome in a state of grace, which means you have less forgiven me. When I realize the truth that I am Christ, one in Christ, as Christ, in and as everything as myself, that there is no separation or difference between me and anyone else when I see everyone as myself, with a capital M. That's when I recognize the true value of the lesson today, that it can be only my capital self that I crucify, because to judge any part of it is to judge all of it in its oneness and its wholeness, and to make it incomplete. If I judge from a personal point of view I've already separated myself, and I want to attack God's creation and criticize it. This is what the ego wants to do. It's the baloney grinder. It wants to find discontent. It does not want to be full and complete and whole and at peace with everything. It wants to be discontent. And then it blames it blames and projects the fear outside because I've made myself an incomplete, 
little fragment of a mini-me, judging the world as everything outside of me and separate from me and threatening to me. It's a fearful position, a fearful point of view, a fearful perspective on a false, illusory, imagined reality. That's the illusion of it. It just is, It's not that the world is an illusion in and of itself. The experience of being in the world in wholeness and completion is a beautiful and lovely thing. It's how we look at it. And that is spoken of clearly in the text today. You know, that I have two ways of seeing through the eyes of a mini-me, through my personal interpretation of perception through the body, through the body's eyes is perception. It's not vision. Holy vision sees wholeness and completion. Love looks upon everything as itself. And for that I am responsible. I am responsible for what I see. But I have to see myself full, first as full and wholly complete, and understand how God created me, and what it means when, it, when the lessons say, I am not a body. What I am not in and as the body are my perceptions that my brain receives as an instrument of the body. The body is an instrument of perceptions, of senses, sight, sounds, And all the body senses are interpreted by the brain. That's the distortion, making ourselves into an image that believes it it has an idea what capital reality is. Reality is formless, invisible, changeless, constant, peace, joy, and happiness. It's a huge difference in what we call reality, through the eyes of perception, senses, the body, and what we are in spirit, through vision and listening to the one voice of God. So I will, I will not crucify my one self today. I will not crucify or judge any perception because all perception of a physical manifestation is an interpretation. And all anger is, is an interpretation and not a fact. The Course speaks of this very clearly. Anger is an interpretation from a personal mini-me point of view. And it's, it's, it's a, a, a mistake in myself appraisal that enables the ego to misperceive the entire world. I, I, if I look through the eyes of my own perception, through my physical body, all I'm doing is interpreting a physical reality that's limited to a little mini-me. And thank you, Fran, for rereading the... Um, to think I could be satisfied with happy and happy with so little, that my happiness is not contingent on this or that, situations, circumstances, because it's all just a part of the whole. 
and I would not make one little thing. I would not lose the totality of my happiness for one little thing and make it more than everything that I am. I am complete. Thank you so much, and be full of joy today. It's your natural factory setting. I'm complete. (laughs) That's great. Thank you, Judy. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I think it's so wonderful that you don't let just one particular thing mess up your happiness, because I do. And um, I've been working on that for a while, but... um, Maybe not as hard as I could be, but I don't want to beat myself up either, you know. So I want to love myself. But, um, but yeah, I do. But when it's one little thing, when it's my health or something, you know, like my physical, emotional health, it doesn't seem to be a little thing when something happens that, that takes me off course some, you know, the course I've been on. Um, thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. That's what I call um, get, o- get over yourself, Jude. You know, I'm making myself special and more important than the totality of my reality. And to be aware of the totality of my reality is to be awakened from the dream of being a mini-me. Let's not miss our opportunity of being born in order to recognize that we cannot die. Thank you. You're right. You're right. I am making myself more important than the totality of my reality, all, all of it, the whole cosmos. The whole cosmos is just as important as me. I guess because I'm the one in this body and I'm not in anybody else's body, I tend to do that. And hopefully I can let go following your lead and others' lead as well. Thank you. I'm complete. Good morning. This is Sandra. And thank you so much, Ida, because you're, you're just being a, an amazing example of the lesson that it can be but myself that I crucify. Because all that I do, I do unto myself. If I attack another, I suffer. But if I forgive, salvation will be given me. And and even the word forgive for me, it's like, hold on a minute. What am I forgiving? I'm innocent. I've been tarred and feathered with lies. And so has everybody else. Everybody's innocent. <laughs> you know, and if I can just get my own innocence, and, and, and Ida, if you can get your own innocence, this is the way you've been programmed. And it's like, and, and all we need to do, all I need to do is continually turn it over to Holy Spirit. Whether, it, whether I let go or take it back again is not, it's just for me to experience that and to notice, not to judge myself, but just notice, am I truly letting this go? What is my relationship with my Holy Spirit, with my Creator? Do I truly believe the words in this book? And a lot of the times, I I haven't. I haven't truly believed them. And so I just say, okay, Sandra, you don't truly believe this. So you just got to keep repeating it over and over and over and over again, probably for the rest of my life, 
who knows how many lifetimes until I believe it, until I actually have the experience of it. And I've said this before on this meeting, I'm not in charge of how fast I integrate this material. (laughs) My Holy Spirit is in charge of that. All I can do is keep pouring this truth, keep repeating this stuff over and over and over again until I can integrate it, until it happens. But it's, it's nothing I can control, so I can't beat myself up. I can't beat up another person. All I can go for is that, is that good old-fashioned innocence. We're all innocent. We've all been programmed with lies. And it's just a matter of unprogramming ourselves, which is what we're doing here on these calls, in a very kind and gentle way. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. Very much. Thank you, Sandra. And I, I need to say that I, I perceive and um, feel your kindness and gentleness. And I love it. So thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Sandra. You're welcome. I um, just want to thank you, Sandra, for your shares because you continually remind me that it's um, something that's said in the text today. Perception cannot obey two masters, each asking for messages of different things in different languages. What fear would feed upon, love overlooks. What fear demands, love cannot even see that um, love would never look upon guilt or sin at all. And it's the nature of love to look only upon the truth, for there it sees itself with which it would unite in holy communion and completion. As love must look past fear, so must fear see love not. That, that 
that's the end of fear and guilt that I cannot see alone. I have to ask the Holy Spirit to judge what I see for me, that if I don't use the means God's given me to save myself, I will continue to unknowingly not ha- use the means. I, I, have, I won't know Christ is in me unless I acknowledge Christ is within me. And you always constantly remind us of that, that um, I have to ask the Holy Spirit for help. Because if I'm upset or my peace is disturbed and, you know, recognizing the, um, the, 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 the poignancy of what we're reading right now, um, the topic of peace, that my peace is a changeless constant in my spiritual being. And, and that it's within my awareness to, to know that I am the one disturbing my peace, that I'm the one that's desiring to get rid of it, as we just read yesterday, that I am the one that's doing this to myself. I can only crucify myself by attack thoughts, by criticism thoughts, by judging or condemning thoughts, by thoughts of lack in someone wanting something to be different. And it could be someone else or myself. I am one self. There is no inside or outside. And and that one self is like, it's always already here and now. And that's what makes it so simple and so elegant and, and such a perfect plan for our salvation that I can awaken right here and right now that nothing can touch this perfect peace and joy if I just stand still and watch it go by, be an innocent bystander and watch the world go by, watch what's temporal and changing and watch it go by through the eyes of innocence. You know, it's like, it's how all and how I see it. I don't have to change myself. And to recognize that that sight, that vision, looks upon Judy and Judy in her body as all-inclusive in the totality of the reality. That it's not a separate being. Judy is not a separate being. She's a part of the one being that knows itself as itself. So I have to step back and look from behind my body or from above my body if you want to put it into some kind of, you know, metaphorical language of place and position. Because the position of the ego is in the forehead, and it's all in, in the personal head. It's so localized and concrete. And that's why I have to understand that that is what I'm not. I am not that brain in that body that's merely an instrument of perception and in and of itself it's an image of perception and in and of itself it's one of a million perceptions of which I am the knower of I'm the witnesser of and that's what I have to open my mind to the awareness of the totality of all perceptions all sensations all feelings of everybody and everyone as being my one, as belonging to me. 
and hold it in that loving embrace, that wholehearted, loving, peaceful embrace. This is getting really huge for me now, guys. Look out. <laughs> I'm complete. <laughs> Thanks, Judy. This this is really big stuff, really big stuff. And um, this is Lori. And and this section probably probably as much and maybe more than any other section of the book um, illustrates for me what uh, the result is. What is the result of adhering to the two different thought systems? And so last year, when we read this section, um, you know, it's easy to get uh, caught in the words. And, and he uses the words so artistically, so evocatively, um, that they call upon they call upon, these words call upon my heart. They call upon the two emotions. Oh, so beautifully. But what he, um, I'll tell you the way I looked at it last year, and this still holds true for me today. So many places in this book he says, perception is a result. Perception is a result and not a cause. And the ego thought system looks out upon the world and sees the justification for fear and uses and comes from and sends messengers of fear to return the results of guilt and death and fear itself thoughts that are trained through fear, frantic with fear, messengers that are merciless looking for guilt and sin, gorging themselves. I mean, these words are so evocative. And he's asking me to look at the fact that the two thought systems are based on two different emotions. The ego thought system is based entirely upon the emotion of fear. We only have two emotions, he says. In chapter 12, the two emotions. We only have two. The ego thought system is based entirely on fear, and the thought system of truth is based entirely on love. Love looks only for truth. Okay? And what he wants me to, to understand is that um, everything I see is a result of the emotion I call upon. If I call upon fear, my perceptions will return to me. Fearful thoughts, fearful messengers, fearful consequences, fearful results, all of which are based upon the belief in sin. Sin has a consequence of guilt and always leads to fear in a time-bound thought system based entirely on the ego's continuity itself. And the ego's continuity is based on the belief in sin. 
it holds the past as guilty as a consequence of sin and it holds the future fearful as a consequence of the belief in sin so it's an entirely self-contained thought system based entirely on fear and the contrast that he sets that against is the thought system of truth which calls upon love and sends love's messengers and he says in paragraph 53 I think or is it 54 somewhere in there he says the Holy Spirit gives you love's messengers and um, and I thought long and deep and hard about that and the answer I got is that love's messengers are faith remember we talked maybe this week or last about the difference between faith and faithlessness the Holy Spirit gives me faith gives me um, strength to call upon the strength of God in me the Holy Spirit through faith gives me the love in which I forgive the Holy Spirit through faith gives me awareness of the light the light through which I see okay it's an entirely self-contained thought system and right in the middle of those two thought systems on my page I, I wrote it as a comparison contrast compare this to compare this and each paragraph does that compares ego thought to thought system of truth ego thought to thought system of truth and in the middle between each is the result of the perceptions the goal of all this or the consequence the result of sending these messengers the result of calling upon the messengers of love is my perceptions will be purified so often we talk about you know before God takes the last step our perceptions need to be purified well that purification is contained entirely in chapter in paragraph 54 I send love's messengers through faith I will want no perceptions except those of truth seen through faith I'll see fear no more and no guilt Holy Spirit has given me faith to send each other and return what love sees signifying the end of fear that's what he means when he talks about purified perception I've let my mind release the thought system of the ego based entirely in fear and embrace the thought system of truth based entirely on love and as a consequence my perceptions are purified I'm not sending those hungry dogs <laughs> returning oh the words are so evocative aren't they setting the two thought systems like this comparing them side by side with perceptions purified I'm able to understand what he talks about when he's talking about Christ's vision everywhere he looks he sees himself because he's calling upon love to return 
messengers of love. And then then we have that one paragraph in there. It talks about you have forgiven me. That was always kind of a mystery. It goes into it more in course of love. Forgive me, forgive the creator of the world for having created a world based entirely on relationship. And the idea of forgiving Christ <laughs> is outrageous to the ego thought system. But it helps me understand so very clearly what he means by forgive me. Everyone I forgive is not doing something for that person. It's withdrawing my projections. And here's where the key to understanding all this is. When he says perception is a result and not a cause. Perception is projection. Perception is projection. You see what you believe is there. And you believe it's there because you want it there. You see what you believe is there. And you see it there because you want it there. And, oh my goodness, when I look at paragraph 54 in that light, the power of this section returns to me. Let me find it in my book. If you send forth only the messengers the Holy Spirit gives you, I don't have to get these on my own. These are given me through faith. These messengers the Holy Spirit gives you, wanting no messengers but theirs, you will see fear no more. So the entire ego thought system vanishes. I'm no longer a personal self. I'm no longer locked within a body, seeing other bodies. The world will be transformed before your sight. Here's the happy dream. Here's the real world. Cleansed of all guilt and softly brushed with beauty, the world contains no fear which you laid not upon it. Perception is projection. The world contains no fear that I laid not upon it by calling upon the messengers of fear. So to forgive anyone, to forgive Christ, means nothing more than to call upon the messengers of faith the Holy Spirit gives me and letting the fear be removed for me through forgiveness. Forgiveness, you know, forgiveness as the ego sees it is to make a problem real and then try to um, remove it. But by making it real, what I've done is I've twisted my mind. I've twisted my mind in such a way that then I have to convince my own mind I have to convince my own mind or try to convince my own mind that what my brother did to me did not occur. Well, my own mind says, yes, it did. You see, I've made the problem real. Forgiveness as the Holy Spirit sees it is a consequence of letting these messengers of fear be removed from my mind, letting my projections be corrected 
withdrawing my projections, no fear that I laid not upon it. So to forgive, and here's the real big, big nugget, to forgive is for my mind. It's not for anyone else. Forgiveness of Christ has nothing to do with Christ. It has everything to do with me withdrawing my projection of guilt. Just as he says in that paragraph where he says, you have forgiven me. To forgive anyone is something I do for my own mind, which makes this lesson so perfect. All that I do, I do unto myself. Everything I do, I do unto myself. Tomorrow, it's, it can be but my gratitude I earn. You know, giving and receiving are one in truth. I'm the giver, I'm the receiver, and what I give returns to me. If I send peace, peace returns to me. If I send the messengers of love, love returns to me. If I send the messengers of fear, it will return guilt to my mind. So to forgive is what I do for my own mind, to remove the idea of a gap between me and anything. Now my perceptions are purified and I'm ready for God to take the last step of knowledge. Perception is not knowledge, he says. Even purified perception is still not knowledge. But when the Father takes that last step, which he can only take after my perceptions are purified, I will know God. And to know God is to know knowledge. Um, so, to allow my perceptions to be corrected is what launches me. I mean, it launches me on a rocket <laughs> into the thought system of truth. That's why forgiveness is the most magnificent tool I have in my toolbox in navigating this life because everything I do, I do unto myself. It explains why teachers of God are generous out of self-interest. You know, um, because everything I do, I do it to myself. And I'm free to choose. Always, I'm free to choose. The messengers of love, which put me in a state of grace. Remember, the soul's in a state of grace forever. That's the soul's only reality. That's my only reality. That's Christ's only reality. I was a man who remembered the soul and its knowledge. So when my perceptions are corrected through forgiveness, I'm no longer in the thought system of fear, but the thought system of love. And um, to me, that's the significance of this whole section, that um, I will return my mind to true communion, to truth, to the thought system of truth, and I will know capital S self. My magnificent self includes all of creation, God, the Son of God, and all my brothers. Uh, that's how we come to know that we include each other, you know, that, that we all belong to each other. Um, every soul is already in my heart, and if I try to pluck that out, if I, I mean, Oh, it's hard to 
to say it, but it's a wonderful thing to realize that all of the suffering I ever experienced, and I got here through suffering, you know, all the suffering I ever experienced was a consequence of trying to take some part of my heart apart and remove some part of creation from the love that is always there. And that's what causes suffering. Bother so much. If I understand this section, everything else falls into place. Uh, would you take your place among the saviors of the world or would you leave your brothers in hell and join them there? All of all of that is explained in this little bitty section about the attraction of guilt and I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Lori. That was great. Thank you. It was great. You're right. Thank you, Lori. You know, the other thing I think I wanted to add, just for the sake of clarity, we're all on the same journey. And uh, it's like exactly uh, as Sandra said, you know, my life experiences, um, you know, life is teacher. He says in Course in Love, all of life is teacher. And our life experiences um, are perfect, perfect for our development and transition from the ego thought system to the thought system of truth. They're orchestrated perfectly for every single soul. We set it up, you know, we set up our own curriculum. And the life experiences that we have are the, um, I like to think of, of them as launch pads. You know, right now my launch pad is difficulty with the body. And how do I learn to use forgiveness to launch me into the thought system of truth? And every life experience that we all have does exactly the same thing. What, what need I release that I might be returned to truth? And there's no set path. The goal is the same. But um, the doors through which we arrive are all different and perfect for each one of us. Um, and orchestrated from the beginning through our choice with our Creator for the development, the purpose of the development of the soul and the extension of love into the world. And so um, it's, it's a perfect plan, as you say, Sandra perfect plan where our life experiences weave together in such a way to serve us for the development of our soul and um, and, and you know sometimes when I reach that realization in meditation I just wait with the gratitude uh, of everything in my past that's ever served me at the time I thought it was horrible but through the purification of my perception come to be great of great great service to me 
and that is a consequence of learning to use that tool of forgiveness so that I can return my mind to God so um, we have every reason uh, in spite of how it looks to be grateful 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 for everything that serves to purify our perceptions and take us to truth and the plan is a magnificent plan uh, perfect for the development of the soul's purpose which is to extend the love of God into creation so um, that's about everything I had to say today I'm just so 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 grateful and um, I'm grateful for every voice here that um, that aids and comforts and cares for uh, our individual development as souls of God because uh, it's not a it's not anything that anyone can do alone that's why he gave us each other so uh, now I feel real complete great great place to be in a Friday <laughs> thank you everyone thank you wow that was great good points thanks a lot yeah good place for, for, Friday for all of us but it is oh thanks friend sorry I interrupted with a bad habit I got when I was a little kid and my parents were speaking another language and I didn't know when I could go in but anyway um I want to say thank you for praying for me the last couple of days I am feeling much better today, and I really appreciate it. Thanks again. Oh, I'm glad to hear that, Ida. I'm so glad to hear that. Me too. Thanks for sharing that, Ida. <sighs> well, I'm going to end the recording the same way we began it, um, because... Uh, the strength of this section and everything contained in it is also contained in this poem by Ellen safety and see the world is kind I mean <laughs> she touched on the entire section in this one poem safety the wish to harm alone engenders fear without it is protection obvious shelter offers everywhere there is no time when safety need be sought no place where it is absent and no circumstance which can endanger it in any way it is secured by every loving thought made more apparent by each loving glance brought nearer by forgiving words and kept untroubled cloudless open to the light redeemed restored and holy in Christ's sight oh, I'm so grateful for that poem today this section for everyone who joined us or listens to this recording now or later to the way we contribute to more light in the world thank you everyone and I'm going to end the recording